Welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons, and we are so glad to have you with us today here in the household of faith. Several weeks ago on the broadcast, we began showing you a message that we recorded live here at Family Night that we've called, There Came a Sound from Heaven. And this message is a part of the months-long series that we've been in on the anointing. And it's so important for you and I to recognize that there's a sound coming from the throne of God, and you and I are called to be echoes of that sound. And it matters what you feed on. It matters what sounds are coming into your life because you are an echo of what you're listening to. So I want you to tune in today. This is part three, the last part of this message. And if you've missed any of it leading up to this, as always, you can get caught up with this totally free. Go to pearsonsministries.com. You can watch prior broadcasts, get the Legacy Studios app. You can watch all the broadcasts right there, but do what it takes to get this down into your heart. Because as you listen to this, I believe you are are listening to the sound from heaven. And you and I, again, are called to be an echo of that sound. So watch this. This is part three of There Came a Sound from Heaven. Now, we talk so much and we see it in Scripture about not quenching the Spirit. And a lot of different things get said about, well, this will quench the Spirit, or this will quench the Spirit. And I, I remember hearing as a kid, chewing gum in church will quench the Spirit. And so you, you kind of get afraid of, if I do this, I don't want to quench the Spirit. I don't want to grieve the Spirit. Can I tell you what will quench the Spirit? And that word quench just means put the fire out. Quicker than anything is just you not yielding. You recognizing I'm in the middle of an occasion that requires the anointing. But instead of yielding to that, you stand there like Saul going, who am I? Who am I? That's what he said when he came face to face with the call of God on his life. He said, who am I? Who am I? And I'm telling you something, guys. If you you live in the confines of that question, you will be gripped with fear your entire life paralyzed, frozen with fear. If you just constantly ask yourself, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? You'll never take a step. You'll never yield to the anointing. You'll certainly never prophesy (laughs) or any other thing the Lord calls you to do that would impact the life of somebody else. As long as you're going, well, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? So if that's not the right question, what is? The right question is, who am I in him? That's the question you need to be asking. Not who am I, who is he? Who is he in me? Who am I in him? That's the question to ask and to answer. Because when you find out not who you are, but who you are in him, that anointing is the source of boldness. It's the source of confidence. It's not a matter of who you are. It's a matter of who you are in him. Now, Saul... The Spirit of the Lord came on him. He yielded to it. It says in verse 9, God gave him another heart. Verse 11 of chapter 10, It happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, What is this that has come upon the son of Kish? In other words, what got into Saul? And I'm looking forward to that, folks. I'm hungry for that. And that's the reason I bring it up to you over and over and over again. Those who knew him formerly, formerly, what's that mean? Before, before what? Before he got anointed, before he encountered the anointing. Folks, all of us have people in our lives that 
know us formerly. Huh? Every one of us. And I am hungry to encounter a greater degree of this anointing we're talking about so that maybe my, even my own family looks at me and says, what got into you? I don't know if you remember me telling you about Smith Wigglesworth. And you, of course, most of you know who Smith Wigglesworth is. He's born in the middle 1800s and six years old, went to work in a factory in England. And no education whatsoever. Came to know the Lord much, much later on in his life. Rough man. And uh, the Lord softened his heart and he became a preacher, but still no education. Couldn't read, couldn't write. And people who would watch him preach, and this was more than one individual's testimony of being a first-hand witness of Smith Wigglesworth, they would say that he'd begin to preach and it was just almost awkward. This guy has no education. Could hardly put two sentences together and it would come out just awkward and weird and strange and choppy and almost like you couldn't follow it. But people, person after person after person would say this of him. They would say there would come this moment in the middle of the message that the anointing would hit him. And this is what one individual said. It was like he was turned into another person. And he would begin to preach with such power and preach with such eloquence and and, and in a way that would hit the hearts of people. And there were denominations in England that he wasn't even associated with or a part of that would invite him to come every year and speak to their general assembly for one reason. They wanted their people to see that. They wanted the young men that they were training up in ministry. They basically sat them there and said, watch this. Just watch, watch what happens. The power of God to turn somebody into something else. Anybody who's willing to yield to that and step into an occasion that puts a demand on that anointing. Okay, back to chapter 16. What happened was that anointing that was on Saul, he failed to protect it. Once you you find out what you're anointed by God for, it's worth protecting. And again, there are a lot of things that you might assume would cost you the anointing. Uh, You might assume a lot of things like, um, oh, just unholy behavior, fleshy kind of stuff. And certainly it has an effect on it. We know that. But, But David, we know later on in his life, certainly did some things that were not holy crossed the line sexually and it cost him but not permanently why well if you go back and look at what really cost Saul he started off this guy saying who am I this insecure but then he got to the place where he was willing to act apart from the anointing he got if you will too bold and act outside of the instruction and the command of God. That's pride. That's arrogance. Let me give you a little math equation for arrogance. Arrogance is confidence minus the awareness of the anointing. For you and I, arrogance is confidence minus the awareness of Jesus. If you're not 
completely and utterly cognizant at all times that without him I can do nothing. And that's arrogance. It's pride. And it will cost you the anointing. So if pride cost Saul the anointing, what, what was it that enabled David to hang on to it? Quick to repent. Humility. Humility is an anointing protector. So Saul had lost it. He didn't protect it. And that's why God anointed David. But then when this distressing spirit came, and I know the scripture says from the Lord, but it, 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 it couldn't be in the way that you might think of that when you read it, that the Lord had certainly allowed this to come on Saul, but it was because Saul, through pride, had denied God's ability to protect him from it. Okay, so this is where we're getting, and it's, it's fresh. Some of this stuff is, is new to me, so believe with me. Other translations of these scriptures talk about this distressing spirit, this evil spirit. Others say this tormenting spirit. It is the spirit of fear. We know that because 1 John 4 says that perfect love does what to fear? Casts it out. Because fear involves torment. So I believe what we're seeing here is Saul, apart from the anointing, being turned back into who he was before. And it's tormenting him. And what this guy said to Saul, his servant said in verse 16, Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who's skillful, a player on the harp, and it shall be that he will play with his hand when the distressing spirit is on you. You'll be well. I don't know if maybe these people just automatically understood some things that were not as quick to understand, or perhaps this guy had no idea why he was saying what he was saying. Because if you stop and think about it, to the natural mind, that's a strange prescription. That's a weird medication. And we have got millions and millions and millions of people gripped with the exact same spirit, that spirit of fear, that vexing spirit, that tormenting spirit, that torturous, torturous spirit that keeps them absolutely gripped and frozen, unable to yield, unable to step out. And people are living with it by the millions and tens of millions and beyond. And there are people, it's gotten to the place now, I think, especially in secular society, that when somebody's got a problem and they're telling somebody about it, it's nothing to hear them say, well, what's your therapist say? Not even like, are you seeing a therapist? Just the automatic assumption, you're seeing a therapist, what are they saying? It's just become a way of life to, to have to see and get psychoanalysis for this tormenting spirit that you're dealing with. And people aren't quick to call it that, but this is what people are dealing with. And they're trying to medicate it with all kinds of stuff. They're trying to pacify it with uh, self-help and all number of different kinds of things. But I don't know who this servant was. I don't know what his experience was or if he even knew what he was saying. But his prescription 
And his medication was, let us find somebody, somebody who will play, check this out, an anointed sound. Now, I don't know if he knew that's what he was saying. If the anointing of God and the anointing on the sound from heaven is enough to turn you into somebody else. And that spirit coming on you is enough to turn you and transform you into what he's called you to be. Is it possible that the spirit of fear has something on it to try to turn you into something else as well? Sure. It's happening all the time. Sarah and I were talking about this the other day with the kids. And we were talking specifically about Jessie, our little girl. And uh, I said, you know, the, the most success we've ever had in correcting her is not when we just tell her that what she's doing is wrong. Or not when we just tell her, stop it. But when we tell her, Jessie, that's not you what she just did or what she said. And I, I remember specifically having the same kind of thing with Justice one time. He said something that was so out of character for him. And uh, instead of jumping all over him about it, we don't say that, not in my house. And I talked to him and said, buddy, that's not you. What you said and how you said it, that, that wasn't you. Let me tell you who you are. You're tenderhearted. You're quick to obey. You, you're full of the Spirit. And you hear God and you yield to mom and dad. That's who you are. And I watched it happen in him. He told me the next day, he started just repeating the same thing back to me. Daddy, that's not me. That wasn't me. I'm back to myself now. <laughs> the most success we've ever had with Jesse in correcting her is just reminding her of who she is. I don't know why I said that to you. I think the point is you are either who God called and created you to be and you are either in process of being transformed into that or you are in process of being transformed into something else. So let me ask you, does it matter what you feed on? If an anointed sound, a sound from heaven, has the ability, the way we saw it, affect Saul and to drive that evil spirit away, does it matter what you feed on? Does it matter what you listen to? Does it matter what words are reverberating inside you? Because whether you realize it or not, we know what you're feeding on. Because it's coming out of you. It's what's coming out of you. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is speaking. You are echoing the word that you're hearing. Your life is an echo of the word that you hear.
Thank you, Lord. Years ago, before I met Sarah, I'd gone through what was easily the most devastating, hardest thing in my life that I had ever been through. And it had to do with relationship, and I came out on the other side probably more brokenhearted than I realized. We're talking about pieces, just shattered into pieces. And uh, right around that time, I started listening to this music. And I'm not even going to say the guy's name. Not a Christian artist, certainly not a worship place. (laughs) It was just somber, acoustic kind of music. And he was Irish, and I thought he sounded cool when he talked, you know. And I liked listening to it. (laughs) But it was super, super emotional and heavy. And I have no idea how in the middle of that I didn't see that what this music that I was so feeding on, that it was an echo of what I was feeling, and I was an echo of it. It's like two sides of the mountain on a valley just talking back and forth, talking to each other, just bouncing back and forth. And finally, one day, a friend of mine who I wouldn't have thought to be this spiritually in tune (laughs) said, you need to be careful. Because I played it for him. I was like, listen to this guy. Listen to how cool this song is. Listen to how cool this sounds. He's like, you need to be careful. That's some pretty sad stuff. (laughs) It's a real kind of silly example, but does it matter what you're feeding on? Does it matter? It absolutely does. Because an anointed sound has the ability to drive away evil spirits. An anointed sound has the ability to cast out fear. An anointed sound has the ability, check this out, medical science is telling us now that an anointed sound has the ability to break gallstones. Now they probably wouldn't say anointed, but they say sound waves, sound treatment. Even the military is now using sound as a weapon. LRAD, long range acoustic something, D, I forget what the D stands for. They're using it as weapons. It's actually a pretty funny video on YouTube if you ever want to check it out. <laughs> because it's people in a crowd and they're, ah, and they're angry and they're, and all of a sudden they, they look like they just got punched, you know what I mean? They, they duck and they run and there was nothing. It's like they're not responding to bullets or bombs. It's just this invisible thing. It's the sound, they got hit with this sound wave and they run. Like they got punched in the face. And they're using sound as a weapon. And Joshua of the Old Testament hears this and he's like, yeah, I could have told you that. (laughs) Why? Because the Lord told him, you get this army and the trumpet players. Huh? And you guys march around this place and you be quiet. Just be quiet for a few days. March around once. Don't say anything. Just march around. March around this city. Okay, Lord, what do we do the next day? Yeah, do it again. Day after day, six days. March around the city one time each day. But how many of you remember from Children's Church? What happened on that seventh day? Joshua 
turned to that army who had marched around that city seven times and he says, now shout. Why? For the Lord your God has given you the city. And man, those trumpets played and that army lifted up a shout and this anointed sound not arrows, not bombs, not bullets. This sound tore the walls down. I'm telling you, an anointed sound is still tearing down walls today. Amen. A sound from heaven. There came a sound from heaven. There came a sound from heaven. Verse 23, so it was whenever the Spirit was upon Saul that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. I'll read you one last scripture. Sarah, you guys come on up. 1 Corinthians, turn there with me, chapter 15. Verse 50. 1 Corinthians 15.50 says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be what? We shall all be what? Changed. Changed. Could you substitute there, turned into something else? We shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound now watch what happens at the sound of this trumpet the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed at the sound an anointed sound folks if there is a sound so anointed that it could hit this earth and echo through the chambers of the earth, through the cemeteries and hit dead bodies and raise them back to life. Is there not a sound that could fix in your body whatever's going on? Is there not a sound, an anointed sound, an anointed word that could hit you and echo off of you and hit somebody else and echo off of them and reverberate off of them? And we could watch this thing go for miles down the road. Jesus, 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 Jesus. There's a sound. There's a sound. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.